The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCasts.com. The Force is strong with us, and we hope it is strong with you. Welcome to another edition of the new Jedi Archives with Zach Hagenbusher and Ben Schultz. Hello, Zach. Hello, Ben. And hello to Matt Fazek. Hello, everyone. I do have a shirt on this time. <laughs> he is back. He's the, a liar. The prodigal son has returned. And this is a really strange one. This is the first time we are attempting something like this. Uh, ben and Matt are in the same location, but I am not. So we have three different computers recording into the same Google Hangout. So if, if you notice some audio quirks on this episode, that's where that's coming from. And I apologize for that in advance. For all Secondly, the- if you do notice audio quirks, it's uh, free. So go complain to the manager about <laughs> free content. Right, right, right. Or just skip this one and come back next week. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You got to hear Matt's thoughts on the rise of Skywalker. And that's kind of what we're talking about this week. But before we get there, I want to thank everybody who's listening to this episode. However, you're choosing to do so. Spreaker.com, the original home of the podcast. GNCasts.com. G-N-C-A-S-T-S.com. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, what, whatever you listen to your podcasts on, you can probably find us there. And uh, we appreciate you sharing this with your Star Wars loving friends. You can email us at newjediarchives at gmail.com uh, with any feedback you might have for the show. And uh, we'd very much appreciate it. And we might have something new coming down the pipe, too. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the episode. Hey, but, uh, before we start, Zach, before yeah. we get into actual content... I actually got a Facebook message from someone that listens to the podcast. Oh, really? Um, so I wanted to give a shout out to Ben Hafman and uh, his band Counter Void. Counter Void? Counter Void. Counter if you Void. Haven't heard them? Check them out on YouTube. They've got a channel uh, with some music out there. It's pretty good. And so you know, I want to give a plug out to fans that are interacting. Absolutely. Thank you, Ben. Uh, a fellow Ben. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of Ben's going on in Star Wars right now. But Ben well, that's Kenobi, it's a good, a good strong name. And I'm only saying that to distract myself from the fact that Matt is not is wearing a shirt, but he did not wear pants today. <laughs> Accurate. You got to keep him aired out somehow. I, you know, it's winter, right? Well, uh, anyway. that's okay. I mean, your legs never really get that cold. And I can tell it's winter from where I'm sitting. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> that reminds me. I actually, uh, <laughs> I should save this for later, but I did. Uh, Matt Fazette did send me a link recently uh, to a Star Wars, a custom Star Wars version of the popular card game Cards Against Humanity. Uh, That's true. It's about a 900 card set, and I did purchase it cards against star wars yeah so we're gonna have to do a whole episode where we're just playing that game i think 
Oh, yeah, that might be uh, low audio quality. I think we need to just get a bunch of people around a table and throw the old snowball in the middle. <laughs> that might be a good idea. Or or because I uh, now that we've been recording with high audio quality for the past, like, you know, two years, we can figure something else out. But we'll find out. Anyway. Without further ado. On to the show. This week, it's kind of a uh, an open-ended conversation once again. Uh, we, I know for all of you who might be a fan of more of our appointed discussions, that's not going to be today. Um, we're going to once again delve into the recent Star Wars film, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Matt was not with us when we discussed the film two weeks ago, uh, and so I want to get his opinions of of how things played out and then i'd I'd also like to just kind of discuss some of the other great things about the film that we did not get a chance to discuss ben you and i uh two weeks ago and we'll just see where the conversation goes from there so okay we'll take it but uh matt i'll get i'll start with you i would just want your overall impression because ben and i we're pretty positive about the film. Yes, there are things that are could certainly be better and certainly make more sense from an objective standpoint. But overall, I think that the film did a good enough job of feeling like the previous Skywalker saga films that had come before. And I think that we both came to the conclusion that it, it fit in the larger Star Wars universe. And it was it was a good enough ending to this trilogy of films. Um you know, was it perfect? Absolutely not. But it, it did the job. So how do you feel about how this film holds up? I enjoyed it uh, start to finish. The biggest criticism I've repeatedly seen or heard was that the pacing was incredibly fast in the beginning of the film. Um, I didn't get that. I pay attention to what I'm watching when I'm watching it. I don't dick around with popcorn or sodas and I don't have to get up and go take a leak. So I I didn't really have a problem with the pacing. I felt like it was a breath of fresh air because generally you do have that. Oh, good. They're on Tatooine or they're going to Canto Bite or there's 20 to 40 minutes of this movie that I can definitely take a nap during. And I did not have that in this film. Um, I guess if I had to step back and pick my biggest criticism, which Ben and I have talked about off air, I have some logistical questions about the film, but really if i zoom out even further and say okay my biggest critique of this film which is ending a very long movie string is that i don't understand the lead, the logistics of a sci-fi movie i would say that's a pretty small gripe overall sure and it's not a sci-fi movie it's a science fantasy movie well science fantasy yeah right he, he, there's wizards so yeah yeah i'll give it high fantasy sure um, yeah, okay, so it sounds like you're kind of on our same page with the movie, which may be boring for the listeners, but uh, it's, well, I'm sure it's we'll good get for me. We disagree about. Sure. Um, I, I remember you had commented to me that Palpatine, you know, that was one of the big things back in August now when yeah. we had discussed this late uh, last. You had said one of the big things in the movie for you was that Palpatine could not be uh, phoned in. Palpatine yeah, could not be a be shark to jump. A shark correct. to jump. And what would you say that they served the character of Palpatine well in this film? I believe they served the character well. Um, they're still. I don't think that a man who sat behind the curtain for this long, um, pulling strings and putting things in place, so near the end of his plan, would just blurt out a. Uh, what would you call it? A broadcast saying, "Hey, guess what? I'm back, and you're all screwed." 
before I'm sure you're all screwed. I don't think that would have happened. Um, but other than that, I feel like they played him perfectly as the manipulator. Uh, they wrote him well as, you know, well, I'm just going to take advantage. And if I can take your force power, so be it. I don't need either of you. Um, but I don't see him when he figured out he could draw their power out of them and, you know, rejuvenate his burnt stick looking fingers and so forth. I don't think he would have just stopped halfway. I think he would have absorbed them until they looked like burnt out, hollowed little husks of people. I, I And that's, you know, that's a logistical question because we've never seen that power before, right? It's it's right. a brand new thing. We've never seen anyone take the energy of someone else and use it to revitalize themselves. So who's to say that you can only do that to a certain point, right? He got himself up to his full Palpatine-ness, and that's all that he could suck out. Sure. Um, but let me... Uh, I, I, I want to address a criticism that I have seen floating around the interweb of Palpatine not necessarily coming off as the, the sharpest tool of the shed in the film. You know, it, it doesn't seem like his plan is fully put together to, to some in this movie. Uh, and they kind of think that he's kind of wheeling and dealing on the fly and that it doesn't necessarily fit with his character. Um, what I'll say is Palpatine has always had to make adjustments to the plan, right? I mean, Darth Maul was not supposed to die, and then he did, so there had to be an adjustment made. And then Anakin was not supposed to be cut down, and he was, so another adjustment had to be made. Like, there, there's a lot of this... I mean, even in the throne room, when Luke throws the lightsaber away, Palpatine goes, all right, fine, I'll just kill you, and then I expect Anakin to heal to my side again. And right. obviously that part of the plan <laughs> did not go as planned. Uh, so I, I think that if he, it, he's just making adjustments because he's seeing a better opportunity, that doesn't make him a poor planner. That doesn't make him any less of a manipulator. Um, I, I agree he's making adjustments. The only problem I have with the adjustments is that generally you're heavy, you're big bad, and this was in Palpatine's case as well he only had to make adjustments when the big fault was hubris, right? He had to adjust after his perfect plan didn't go well. The adjustments he had to make in this movie were things like, I don't know, ships that can fly out of the atmosphere on their own. Well, and, and the adjustment that you were criticizing is an adjustment he made before his plan came into contact with your opponent. That's not an adjustment. That's just piss poor planning. Sure. Okay. When, when you announce you're coming out before you've contacted the enemy, that's not an announcement, or I mean, that's not an adjustment. That's that's an announcement that's painting a target on yourself. But could I counter with this? They were on a location that you needed a special piece of equipment to find, right? Like, you're almost as secret as secret can be. So why couldn't you just pull a power move like that? But my question to the power move is why would you? Because why he, would you do that? If, if you're fully, if you are as secret as secret can get and you are tucked away as safely as you think you can become, why announce anything until the ships are in orbit and have dusted a few planets already? Then you say, oh, by the way, bitches, I'm back and y'all are going to toe the line from now on. How about this? Because Snoke 
if we're led to, you know, if if what we're led to believe is the truth. Snoke, being the Palpatine puppet, was the one who was running the First Order and essentially running it in Palpatine, you know, for Palpatine. But Snoke was killed by Ben Solo, right? So another adjustment has to be made, and you have to get Ben Solo in on the plan. Otherwise, the the plan is not necessarily going to go the way you want it to. Now, it is a risk. It's absolutely a risk, but perhaps it's something that Palpatine didn't see a way out of. Now that Ben... No, no, no. That doesn't work because, as we were told, every voice that Ben Solo has ever heard inside his head was Palpatine. But it, but so Ben he doesn't need to announce to the universe he's back. He could just tell Ben. But Ben is the supreme leader now, and because he became distrustful of Snoke and literally killed him, right? Like Ben killed Snoke. That is something can't be forgotten. Um. Perhaps Ben, if he heard Snoke's voice, if he heard Palpatine's voice without a body attached to it, right, through the Force, he might not consider it as strongly as if he were to confront it himself. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate, essentially. So the, the Jedi would try, would disbelieve the Force over a radio broadcast? The Jedi? Who's who's the Jedi in this situation? Uh, Kylo Ren. He's a trained Jedi. He's not a trained Jedi. He didn't finish the training. Oh, okay. He Well, he was getting his training from someone who didn't finish the training either, so it's a moot point. No, uh, Luke did finish the training. When you build the uh, saber, if you're able to build a saber, you've completed your training. Okay, but then Kylo built the saber, so he completed his training. I don't know if he built that one. He used one to defend himself from Luke. Right, and then he built another one. But I, we don't know if he... cross guard for no reason. I don't know if he built that one or not. My issue with the Emperor's broadcast beforehand is that there is genuinely... All you're doing is creating, and I know this is a coaching cliche, but what you're doing is creating billboard material. If no one answered Leia's call on crate and everyone is feeling already so under the thumb of the First Order that they are not responding to General slash Princess Leia, why would you then broadcast something that would make people rally? Right, because... Everybody who used to fight, everybody who fought in the Galactic Civil War would go, not again, motherfucker, and they'd hop in whatever the ship, whatever ship they could find, and they'd, you know, rally to the Resistance's call. And that's what if they did. Don't make that announcement. There right. is no rallying cry. I agree, and perhaps it's just a a poor decision by Papa Palpatine um, in his withered state on Exegol. I uh, that's the only thing I I mean. Sure, it wasn't a good plan, but it it was his plan at the time. It's but what he did. Cons- if you consider the heavy, that is hubris. That is tipping your card too early and having the babyface, the heroes of the story, react to it appropriately. I can I can let that slide. What I can't let slide is having an entire fleet of Star Destroyers, which I may as well say it now. I don't know where you got the metal. I don't know where they were manufactured. I don't know who was manufacturing wasn't saying to anyone else like, hey, by the way, did you notice we're churning out all these Star Destroyers and we don't know where they're going? I don't know how you're going to crew these Star Destroyers. 
but I'm absolutely positive. I am 100% positive. A man who controlled an entire galaxy would not be okay having a fleet of Star Destroyers that can't take the fuck off on their own. Well, Forget it's it's off. not the problem of taking off on their own. It's the problem of navigating that nebula on their own. I think right, that, that that's where no, the communication no, tower out was of coming. The atmosphere. Right. That's what it was, because navigating the nebula, all you had to do was upload the coordinates to get out. We see the rebels do or the resistance does that. Yeah. So it's it, leaving the atmosphere, which, by the way, I know Star Destroyers have windows on the bridge fly in any direction that isn't down. Yeah, I, I don't know. Straight long enough, you're going out of the atmosphere for sure. Right. This is one of those things that because it takes place, it actually, you know what I mean. Like you have to fill in the blanks in your own mind. I, I, and, and it is a shortcoming of the film. I absolutely agree. But, but this is the big blank I'm talking about. This yeah. is the one point of the emperor's character that I look at and go, listen, this dude had contingencies for every outcome of everything he ever contemplated. But he let slip the fact that the the Star Destroyers with miniaturized Death Star tech couldn't leave the fucking atmosphere. Right. You know, that that's where it's like, I don't, I, that one's hard for me to swallow. That he just like, oh, well, I guess we'll just have a single radio tower, which, by the way, has to be blown up from the ground. Can't just be shot to pieces by these X-Wings. We'll have the single radio tower that will guide them out of the atmosphere. Why uh, was this always a flaw in Star Destroyer technology? No, I wouldn't think so. So why did you just build these particular Star Destroyers so that they couldn't turn on their shields in atmosphere and couldn't navigate appropriately? I think it was a byproduct of the planet and the atmosphere, not the Star Destroyer. Okay, I'll buy that. Because it was a huge lightning planet. I'm sure the magnetic poles were all fucked up and the entire atmosphere was wonky. Who knows? That That is... The trouble, really the trouble with Star Wars in general, is the fact that because it is, you know, it's not hard science fiction, they don't give all the answers to these logical questions. Let, let's be honest, it's really not even soft science fiction. I mean, right. But th- there's, are, there's a lot of scientific inconsistencies that plague Star Wars. We are talking about the same guy who built two planet-sized guns that essentially Three. have to three planet-sized guns that essentially had the same flaw in everyone. Yeah. And he knew how to miniaturize that technology to fit it on the bottom of a Star Destroyer. So why did you build the planet-sized guns? But what did he do with the miniaturized Star Destroyer tech? He put it on the bottom of a ship and connected it where? Right to the thing that would blow the entire ship (laughs) up if you blew the fucking gun up. Like, put a transformer or a capacitor halfway in between there. Right. A circuit breaker. Just a circuit breaker. That's That's it. That's all you need. Just a fuse. Just a fuse. Right. So we are obviously Papa Palpatine, while he knows how to channel lightning through his fingers, has no idea how electricity works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. it's very clear that he doesn't exactly learn from his mistakes either. Right. Um, but I guess let's move on from that because we could, you know, we can pick that apart, I guess, for the whole hour and... <laughs> I don't think that that would be very fun. Uh, what would you say, Matt, was your your high point of the film? What What do you think really worked well for you? Like a, a character, a story arc, um, you know, something that you could you could pick out as your favorite. I don't know how many times you've seen it. My my absolute high point of the film. I've seen it twice. I saw it opening day and then the following Sunday. Um, 
without a doubt, my high point of the film was Chewie getting his medal. Oh, really? <laughs> which, which I know it wasn't. Like, I feel like it, clearly it was put in for fan service. But when I've watched that celebration over and over and over again, and Chewbacca doesn't get a medal that everyone else does, for him to finally get a medal, which was obviously Han's medal to begin with, that was, uh, I think that was the emotional high point for me in the movie. Um, and let's face it, as much as I talk shit about the Emperor and his planning ability and him not knowing how alternating or direct current works, every single scene with the Emperor was my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. You know, I don't know where all those acolytes came from. I don't know where all the staff came from for the Star Destroyers. I don't know any of that. I know it's in the unknown regions, so who knows? Maybe there's 100,000 planets full of people who worship Palpatine. Great, that's where he got the people. But seeing his gnarly old fingers and knowing that he was manipulating everybody, was it, it tickled my cockles. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of surprised that Chewie, because the Chewie getting the medal moment for me, really was a downer moment well yeah i mean it wasn't a it wasn't like hey no, but it wasn't an emotional high for me i was just like oh fuck you you're finally giving chewie a medal you're only doing it because we bitched <laughs> yeah it's that but also the emotion was tied in for me watching chewie kind of freak out when you know he had found out that leia was dead everyone he knew was dead except lando you know and and maybe me and nub but all of my friends that I went through this with, they're all gone now. How many times do you think he's gone through that in his life? Before her or after he started eating people? Um, <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that him being a, you know, a galaxy-faring adventurer, the dogman sidekick of a scoundrel, watching everyone you know disintegrate... I had heard somebody's argument that they wanted um, they wanted Ben Solo to be the one that showed up with Chewbacca on the Millennium Falcon, like, hey, I brought everybody instead of Ray. That would have worked. You understand Chewbacca has no idea Ben Solo's a good guy now. So if he just showed up, I genuinely believe Chewbacca would have ripped him to pieces and eaten him just for good measure. And even if Ben had been like, hey, I'm a good guy now, that that's not going to fly. Right. That's not right. going to fly. Uh, do I think it would have been cool if they could have worked it out that instead of Lando showing up, Ben Solo showed up in his nicest casual sweater for some reason <laughs> uh, with Chewbacca saying like, hey, I brought everybody. That would have been an oh shit moment. But, you know, I guess he just hopped on a TIE fighter and stopped at, you know, Express or, or Gap or something, grabbed some casual clothing and showed up as fast as he could. It, it, of course, it's... Oh, go ahead, Jack. I'm I, of, sorry. Of course, that clothing is still all black. <laughs> it's still all black, but it's much more casual. It was his it's casual wear from his room on the Star Destroyer. He was like, right. uh, yeah, I th I'm just going to pick up some some clothes that I have sitting around. They're my right. uh, Sunday lazy clothes. I yeah. really wish Lando would have shown up wearing Han's clothes, though, at the end. I would have laughed so <laughs> fucking hard. Because that's how the movie's supposed to end, with Lando wearing Han's clothes. Yeah. I also didn't I didn't really understand I appreciated the Wedge cameo. I really, really did. But the best you're gonna give Wedge is a gunner position on what may be the most fucking ridiculous gunner position on any ship I've ever seen. Yeah, you know. You know, give that man an X Wing. Are you kidding me? It 
It is what it is. Uh, it, it was a cool moment. You can just get X-Wings from anywhere, regardless of how long they've been underwater. So just go find one somewhere. Yeah, those things are durable, for sure. And also, I, if I was Ray, I would not have put on that helmet. I'm sure it was very moldy. <laughs> Her standards aren't real high, man. <laughs> I guess not. Ben, Which gives hopes to nerds everywhere. Uh, there we go. Uh, ben, uh, we didn't really talk about this last time. What would you say your favorite moment favorite character favorite story arc was in the film you know honestly my favorite moment was when all the ships showed up that was kind of a big star wars moment and then you got to see i don't know if it was the ghost but the ship the ghost there was a a ghost style ship in there you had the entire galaxy rallying for that one moment and even if i wanted to be mad at the movie at that point i couldn't be because that spark of hope that they teased in the first or in the second movie actually lit the fire and everyone is there and they're all doing their thing. And for me, that was a big moment. I I have to revise mine. Chewie getting the medal was a big moment. The moment I feel like I was definitely alone in, because again, I went and saw it with my 10 year old son and a bunch of friends, but my son was sitting next to me was when Poe kept giving that, lady bounty hunter the side eye like hey you, you want to go hit it somewhere <laughs> i couldn't get enough of it i couldn't get enough of it i giggled and of course my 10 year old son looked at me like what's so funny he, i don't get it but it, that that was probably the thing i laughed hardest at in the movie sure um i would say that my favorite part of the film or and the reason why i said character story arc because i was trying to kind of expanded a bit uh would have to be um the final piece of ray's journey that we get here i i really think that it did the character justice and i think that it uh it it continued as piecemeal as these films have been right they're not they weren't all developed at the same time they weren't all written by the same people and it appears that all these people weren't consulted <laughs> during during right, that, the creation that of these is abundantly films. clear that's abundantly clear but for all of that i still believe that they they did a pretty good job with the new characters i mean ray finn and and kylo ren specifically uh in giving them journeys through the films that you they are recognizable you know and that the themes of star wars are very present in um i think that ray in this film 3po i I caught it here on the third time that i saw it which was while i was visiting with relatives in texas last week uh we went to go see it in imax very cool experience but i will say loud (laughs) very loud uh, but I was able to hear some things that I, I didn't pick up before in the theaters in, in locally. Um, and yeah, I should have noticed it the first two times, but I didn't really take note of it. Uh, 3PO, when he's reactivated by R2 and his current, you know, his last recorded memory state is loaded into his mind. The first one, the first mission with Ray. Yeah. The first thing he says is, oh, I get to accompany Mistress Ray on her first mission. And that really, that's really interesting to me that she didn't go anywhere. Like 
she lifts the rocks. She saves her friends. They all get on the Falcon and go off to what, wherever the resistance is going off to, right? Apparently, she did not serve in a single reconnaissance mission, a single... You, you didn't catch that until 3PO? You heard 3PO? Because... When they get back, when well, they right. Poe po is complaining. Yell at her for it, right? Poe is complaining that she wasn't there with them at that time. But I, I just took that to mean, oh, you know, she didn't come with them. No, apparently she wasn't coming with them. Like that was just the thing. She wasn't going with them, and that really works well for her development to that point, in the sense that she is completely afraid of her own power. Well, and you have to realize the parallels between that and Empire Strikes Back, right? Right, because... I mean, it's it's not like they're veiled uh, theories or veiled uh, themes. It's that all the people were out doing the ugly work and Rey was back here training as a Jedi. And everybody doing the ugly work is looking at her going, hey, we really could have used you. But no and Rey one is thinking, well, I need to complete my training. No one is you, accusing Luke Skywalker of shirking responsibility when he goes to train with Yoda. In fact, nobody gives him shit about it at all. The but, the it when he comes back, I mean, nobody gives him a round of applause or anything in Jedi when he walks in and says, I'm with you, too. But like no one's being like, boo, Luke, where the fuck have you been? Don't don't you think they may have done that though in response to all the Mary Sue talk online like I think a lot of this movie was reacting to fan criticisms oh yeah for sure I, I think one of the reasons they made Ray out training the whole time was because everybody was saying oh raise a Mary Sue because she does all this stuff whether and, they did whether they did it as a reaction or not it works with the themes of the film because her fear of her power and her fear of her lineage, uh, it, it it all plays together really well. Um, I, I think that they could have dropped the ball really easily, and I don't think they did. So that that is my... And, and of course, the fact that she hammers home the, the real lesson of the Star Wars saga that Ben and I, that ben and I had discussed in the last episode, you know, that you, you can always do the right thing regardless of your lineage, regardless of who people say you're supposed to be. You know, that's will, a constant theme I in Star Wars. I will say, as a, a demonstration of how strangely wired my brain is, immediately after seeing The Force Awakens, and I mean before we walked out of the theater after showing one, I looked at my buddy Damon and I said, what if she's Palpatine's granddaughter? And he said, well, there's no evidence for that. My evidence for Ray being Palpatine's granddaughter is that she fought a lot like he did. Really? Now, we understand that a fighting style is not genetic, right? Like, there's, right. <laughs> there's no reason. But, of course, my brain being wired the way it is looks at it and goes, well, wow, she fought with a lot of thrusting like Palpatine fought, you know, for what we saw him fight Mace and the Jedi. So of course, when they had said in the film, you're Palpatine's granddaughter, I looked to my buddy, Damon, he held his hand up and said, I fucking know you called it. Can we talk about it after the movie? <laughs> there are a lot of people. I mean, that was a pretty popular theory running around because everybody right. needed her or not everybody, but there were a lot of fans that really needed, wanted her to be related to someone from the saga that had already been introduced. And, and the Palpatine granddaughter thing, it, it seemed like a very much of a stretch to me. And frankly, it still pretty much is. <laughs> A I, didn't, stretch? I didn't need her to be related to somebody, I guess. 
what I really wanted to see is Ray either a come from nothing because you, you know, it's not like the force only carries through genetic family lines. Correct. Space age is hereditary or B. Well, yeah, it is. But, but I'm saying that other random people get it too. Correct. Maybe from transfusions or one night stands or whatever. Um, <laughs> or I wanted to see her come from a place that's so dark that like they did show, um, her being afraid of her own power and actually seeking redemption for I guess the, the greater cause rather than just, well, I'm a good guy cause I'm a good guy and there's no conflict in me about it at all. And we did hear a lot of Jedi voices in this movie too, which I was pretty stoked about because, you know, I don't know why Hayden Christensen couldn't show up as a force ghost. I know. I kind of wish he would have. I really wish he would have. Maybe maybe they <laughs> didn't imagine, think the fans were ready for it. Maybe they thought, imagine oh. Imagine how much different it would have been if, because, yeah, Luke closed himself off from the Force. I get that. But, like, Kylo Ren is being all badass, and he's following Snoke everywhere, and all of a sudden he walks into his room, and Hayden Christensen shows up, and he's like, hey, I've done the Darth Vader thing. It doesn't work out so good. You should probably stop now. Or when Ray is laying on the floor and gathering herself and, and trying to stand up where, you know, she starts hearing all the voices. Imagine instead of hearing the voices, you actually see materializing behind her as she's standing facing the emperor. Each one of those force goes saying, we're with you. And why don't they just have lightsabers and all attack at once? Because apparently they can hold lightsabers. Even still, even if they don't attack for to get the perspective of the emperor looking at Ray and seeing every jedi standing legitimately standing with her. at least at least the ones who can do become force ghosts because some of them can't that right. that was right. something that i wanted to uh that uh, you know having so this conversation that definitely comes into my mind her voice was in it we have seen a lot of well not a lot okay who have we seen materialize as a force ghost we have seen luke we've seen yoda and we've seen obi-wan and we've also seen leia there at the very end but right and Anakin at the end of Jedi and right. and we know that um, we know Qui-Gon Qui can do how. it we know Qui-Gon somehow was also able to do it but right. we haven't seen him but we know he can in this film of course we get the voices of many other Jedi that have not been shown to do this ability and it was already kind of established right I mean Lucas went out of his way to make that arc of the Clone Wars in the Lost Missions and and establish why the Jedi, some Jedi can become force ghosts and some cannot. My new theory, because I, I still want to kind of keep that making some sort of sense, <laughs> uh, is that the idea of a Jedi not being able to hold on to their identity, right? Not being able to hold on to a consciousness when they become one with the force. Perhaps that was misunderstood, right? As Yoda said in revenge of the sith misunderstood or uh, misread it may have been um perhaps because we know the jedi aren't the sharpest tools in the shed they they, they evolved into something that that was faulty and uh and possibly not what they originally be you know started out to be and uh they didn't they didn't start out as kidnappers i I, I wouldn't think so i wouldn't oh, think okay. so uh but like I said, possibly. Um, this is all just in, in a theory. Uh, perhaps when a Jedi becomes one with the Force, 
it's just a matter of because even with Luke, Obi Wan appears more and more solid as Luke grows with his power, but also as Luke continues to want and need something from him, right? When Obi-Wan is at his clearest as a force ghost, when he's sitting on the stump with Luke in uh, on uh, on Dagobah, it's when Luke is has just found out that Darth Vader is his father, you know, really truly his father from Yoda. Like he's had it confirmed. And so he's like, "God damn it. Like you the, these fuckers lied to me." And I just wish that I could, uh, you know, confront them about it. And who appears but Obi-Wan? And Obi-Wan what? is as solid as he's ever been. As solid as Luke is when he comes out of the TIE Fighter. Perhaps the connection that the Force user in question, right? That the real person that's left alive in the galaxy has to that being that has crossed beyond is key to their appearing to them. And the reason... Why they all didn't just appear during the fight, you know, with with the Emperor when Ray was looking into the stars and she was only hearing their voices was because they because they didn't go through the steps and learn the technique that Yoda and Luke and everybody else did. Um, they can't appear, but they can, you know, give her acknowledgement. They can give her the words that she needs to hear. Even Anakin appearing at the end of Return of the Jedi, he hasn't appeared since, and we haven't been given any evidence of him appearing since, even in the 30-year gap between, you know, it, you know, we've we've asked that question many times, why wouldn't Anakin just appear to Luke and they could just but, like talk it out. I, I like the theory, but I think uh one of the reasons that Obi-Wan appears clearer to Luke is that technology got better well film. yes matt obviously but we have to we have to relay <laughs> you're, that you're, in the actual in universe you're, world you're overlooking two things that i think actually make this pretty clear okay um first of all force ghosts only ever appear to people who the living jedi was important to right obi-wan appear or could appear in front of yoda and luke yoda appeared to luke Vader appeared to Luke. Luke appeared to Ray. Luke appeared to Ray. Leia appeared to Ray. We don't have any evidence of a Jedi appearing to anybody otherwise. And we don't actually know that those Jedi were actually speaking at that moment to Ray. Hmm. It could have just been Luke putting those voices in because that's what Ray needed to hear. I guess just it like could've. just like every voice Kylo Ren ever heard was Palpatine. Maybe every voice Ray ever heard was Luke. That is possible. I think it does take away a little bit from, you know, obviously the appearance of those characters in the film. Well, um, yeah, it, it does. And, and I'm not saying that that's what they intended. Um, I'm just saying. At some point, wasn't it brought up that both Luke and Leia knew that Ray was a Palpatine? Yes, they both did. Leia knew. So, as well luke having gone down this road where people withheld information from him and it didn't go great for him decides to do the same thing to the next one yeah right, that, because of course why that, wouldn't he that, just like he ran off and hid to in a planet and didn't talk to anybody because that worked so well for the jedi before him that's why yep. her being a palpatine doesn't really make a lot of sense and why i kind of just you know tended to write that part off but um, well, from a certain point of view, it didn't matter. <laughs> yes, from a certain point of view. Well, and if 
if you're saying that Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter by actual lineage, like let's say Palpatine stopped off on some backwater, threw it in some slave girl, and genuinely had children. That That is the claim. I mean, Kylo Ren at least identifies her father as the son of Palpatine. Right, but saying that, oh, well, your, your parents were nothing. Well, your dad is Palpatine's son? And I'm pretty sure that's not nothing. You're the Emperor's son. But who's to say that Palpatine's son had any knowledge that he actually was Palpatine's son? Do do how did Kylo get that information? Uh, the Emperor told him. Yeah, from okay. Palpatine, right? So then we don't know that that's true. I I still do not believe that Emperor Palpatine stopped to get some tail while he was traveling between the blue <laughs> and no, right? I I'm pretty sure Ray is is uh the second iteration of Anakin where Palpatine tried to create another clone. For the record, ben, Anakin failed, and then and then pulled her heartstrings by saying, "You're my granddaughter." Right, right. And, and again, both times. Every time, and I know this is my failing as a human being, every time when Vader says, join me and together as father and son, we can rule the galaxy. My immediate response would have been, grab me a new hand and a red lightsaber. Let's go kick some ass. <laughs> when Emperor looks at Ray and says, just take the seat. You're going to be Empress. I'd have been like, yeah, you're right. But does, doesn't she fulfill his ritual anyway? Because she kills him. That's what he said. I <laughs> know. Strike me down in hatred. Does Daniel he Fur say in hatred? Yes. Yeah. Which, but, but how are we to say she doesn't actually hate him at that moment? I don't know, Ben. That's not something <laughs> we well, can't answer that if, question. If she did just reflect his own force lightning on him, was it then himself doing the killing? Right. Oh, true. Either way, I think that the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark melting scene was pretty rad. That's true. I she agree. did not strike I him down. She merely used his power to strike to, to defeat him well right that's you know technically vader didn't kill the emperor either it was dropping him down the reactor tube then right i i just like it better where ray gets to be all the jedi and all the sith at the same time right um right i did like that moment now that we're talking about ray being palpatine's granddaughter i will say the line that palpatine had when she's on exegol and he says you know, Vader was saved by his son, and the only family member that you have here is me. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, oh that's uh, that's so true, Palpatine, and it's uh, really unfortunate. <laughs> See, but that's that's evidence to me of the whole uh, saving himself. Because again, I, like I said last time, I think he used the world between worlds to escape the Death Star explosion. That's very, it's very possible. I, it and looked I, like he was pretty fucked up, though. I mean, you got to right. admit. Well, and, and I think that that took its toll on him, just like, you know, making a long-distance phone call kills a Jedi. Well, he's also really old. Like, he's really old. So if he was only using the Force to just keep himself alive. Kind of Darth Maul style. I'm alive yeah. because I don't want to die, because I hate so much I can live. Right. Yeah. I'm just using this power to keep myself alive. You're still going to be breaking down, you know? Uh so there is a chance that, you know, maybe he cut his finger on an envelope while he was sending out the mailaways for the Death Star or for the Star Destroyer orders and it turned into an infection and you know, gangrene set in and that was it. He lost his fingertip. <laughs> thought you well, were I, thought you were gonna say sending away the mailaways for his new action figures. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, well, no. And I was gonna say a, a testament to the fact that he's lost his mind at this point. 
is the petty revenge he takes on Ben Solo. Because he's like, just like uh, Skywalker threw me down, so will you fall. Oh, fuck off. Just lightning his ass. Right. You don't have to be melodramatic, palps. That's just... Yep. Obviously, he's not playing with a full deck anymore at this point in the game. Yeah, I I think that you could certainly make that case. <laughs> Pardon I me. Did, I did really enjoy the Force Storm when he shot the lightning up in the air. I liked the sound that accompanied it. I thought that was really cool how everything, like the sound got sucked out of the room and then, you know, you got the big uh, gratifying lightning storm, much like the seismic charges in episode two, the only part of the film that I liked. Um, I do think that maybe instead of spreading that lightning out and just knocking out their electrical systems for a few seconds, let's pull those lightning bolts back and double the power in half the ships and just blow them up. That seems more more well, useful. And and how fortuitous for the resistance that he knocked them out and they started to fall from the sky for a little while. And then when they regained power, they were underneath the ships where the big guns were. Right. That was a pretty strategic move. Right. <laughs> Palpatine right. should get MVP from the resistance for that one. <laughs> now let's let's take a step back and look at the tertiary characters. Okay. I don't mean to be directing this, but Oh no, I, knew- I, I wanted to bring up Finn, actually. We we did not talk about Finn much and I at want all to bring in the last Rose episode before we're done uh, I want to talk about Rose I want to talk about there is a lot of characters that really could have a great story and maybe they're going to do it in comic books or novels from here on out I'm sure there will be more explanation of everything in the novelization of this movie however you're looking at somebody like General Hux who's like I'm a mole now I don't care who wins I just need him to lose like Okay, Which we, I loved. Yes, we. I get that. As a petty human being, I completely understand that sentiment. But to have that storyline snuffed out so quickly, and Rose's storyline to just be snuffed out so quickly. Ro- and Rose's storyline wasn't even snuffed out. It was it was it left behind. I, actually, yeah. it's on the cutting room floor because there were promotional uh, pictures of a scene between Rose and Ray that were released that did not make the movie. Oh. And apparently there was some uh scenes between Rose and Leia in the and I'm waiting to see the the deleted scenes for this when the Blu-ray comes out. Uh because apparently they made a conscious effort to keep Rose behind at the base cuz she was supposed to anchor the new characters there with Leia. And for whatever reason, they initially said that they had to cut it because uh, Leia didn't appear, the, the uh, computer rendering, it wasn't, they weren't able to do it. And then they came back out a second time and said, well, no, if we had kept it in, the Wizards and Industrial Light and Magic would have made it look perfect as they always do, um, but it had to be cut for story reasons. Well, there's I, apparently there's a lot of Palpatine on the cutting room floor too, which I understand. You want to keep your time you know approachable or whatever you want to call it however i know another big movie that came out this year that said fuck y'all we're making this as long as it needs to be and it also tied up a whole bunch of movies over a lot of years and it did it in my opinion almost perfectly and it made the most amount of money of any movie that's ever been made right so they should have contracted the studio that made that movie and talked to those guys they knew how to do things right it's almost like they have a direct line of communication because they're owned by the same parent company yeah you wouldn't even have to send a fax you could just look over your shoulder and say hey kevin can you come here and give me a pointer but it's 
I just wish at some point they'd say, no, we're making this three hours and 10 minutes because the story needs it. I, have, I don't think oh, any sorry. Star Wars fan would have been like, nope, I'm not seeing it. It's too long. It's too much Star Wars for me in one oh, sitting. Dude, it was what already a three hour movie as it was two and uh, a half. Yeah. Two and a half. What's another half an hour? Right. right well, because we were like, OK, everybody go piss twice because I don't want to get up in the middle of this movie. You know, uh, we're going to get sodas that we can manage so we don't have to get up and take a leak midway through the movie. Let's eat a lot of salt so we retain all the water we can because I don't want to miss anything. We prepared. We went in knowing it was going to take forever, and it didn't feel like it, which is a sign of a good movie. It it wasn't forever. It was was only like two hours, 20 minutes, I believe. Can I Um, ask you two who your favorite maybe inconsequential character is background character and i'm i don't want to hear the words babu or frick because we all know that's a well, cool character. well i love babu frick so, so do i but that's, but that's the obvious one my favorite background inconsequential character is when lando meets up with the heroes on whatever desert celebration planet they're at he's in that like mono tank tread vehicle and he knocks on the panel and the panel slides open and it's like an old school Muppet. And he says, take them wherever the hell they're going to go. And the guy just responds with, okay. <laughs> and the door. I, I laugh at it every time. I know it's coming and I still laugh. at it. <laughs> I guess I, I haven't, I never studied that person very long. Um, my, I mean, hell Babu is awesome. Uh, I agree. I like Babu as well. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, I, I like Dio, the new little droid. I know that he didn't really do much in the movie. Um, and he was just there to sell a new toy, but he's a cool little design. You know, the way he's uh, wheeling around BB eight, he's almost kind of a, um, I have a he's hard like time an evolution. You know the way to Exegol. He's like an evolution. Yeah. You didn't of, even need the wayfinder. He knew the way. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think he knew the way. He didn't know the way. Yeah, he did. He said he had the maps to Exegol. He had been there. He says it. But they that in. But that wasn't where they got the map. They got the map from Ray when she left behind the trail. Right. She broadcast it from Luke's X-Wing. Right. So I don't think he I had anything like to do with the maps. Know as like a clearly formerly abused droid. <laughs> right. You know, when somebody reaches down to touch him, he's like, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, he had a lot of character in that way, and I I, I think uh, another cool part about Dio, um, he's almost like a slight step in evolution toward the droid, like the droid technology that BB-8 is created with, because he rolls, sure. you know, he rolls around, um, he's like a step up from a mouse droid in that way, uh, and he has a little more maneuverability, you know, than a mouse droid does, and he has, you know, he can speak English, <laughs> which is also cool. Um Voiced by JJ. Voiced by yeah. JJ. I I liked Dio. I thought he was cool. I, if 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 you're gonna pick my favorite inconsequential character, he's probably the one. Dio. Yeah, I like Dio too. Yep. I mean, like I said, I, I think everyone would pick Babu Frick. That's why I said, okay, right. don't choose him. We'll go with other weirdo characters. I I don't know who I'd pick, but I did appreciate that this movie carries on the proud Star Wars tradition of hinting at other movies that I really wanted to see. <laughs> okay. Well, no, because because you've got. Uh, I want to find out what Poe did when he was trying to be Han Solo as a spice smuggler. I also I, want to see Lando and what's her name. You know, when he said, "Well, where are you from?" She said, "I don't know," and he replied with, "Well, let's go find out." Lando and right. Jana, right? And yeah. his daughter, because it turns out that. 
according to the character encyclopedia that she's like likely Lando's daughter. She very well could right. be. Yeah. I do feel like there was a missed opportunity when Finn met with what is Lando's daughter's or supposed daughter's character's name? I don't remember. Jana. Her name is Jana. Jana. Okay. When he met with her on whatever planet that was with the wreckage of the Death Star. When they had said, you know, yeah, there we were in we were told to fire on helpless villagers and we all put down our weapons. And Finn said, Why did you do that? I really wanted to see her look back at Finn and said, Because we heard about you. Yeah, I and I want to see that. I want to see the stormtroopers from the first order rebel. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Because if they would have looked at Finn and said, We heard about you. We heard that you didn't fire and that you made it out and you joined the rebellion and you're fighting against them. We heard about you. That would have made Finn's story, especially with him hearing it the first time, like, holy shit, what? You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't doing this to spark anything. I just did it because it was the right thing. And now there's another legion of people who all put their weapons down because I did. And that makes it even bigger when he tries to run in Last Jedi. Right. When he tries to run away because he he's not trying to be a rebel. Right. So it would it would add more gravitas to his story than just, well, it was just a feeling. Well, right. Okay. Yeah. Like, good. You're not a piece of shit human being. Welcome to the club. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about Finn and really the relationship between he and the other two primary characters, uh, primary heroes, I should say. Uh, Finn... In um, in the revelation that he actually can feel the force to some degree, which I, I truly believe that that is reality. No, uh, that was after the premiere in which all the cast and JJ and everything are there. I forget what they call it. There's a, an industry term for it. They did some Q&A and somebody actually asked what was Finn going to tell Ray before they had you know succumbed to the sinking fields. And JJ had said... Well, I think the Star Wars fans are smart enough. What do you guys think? And one gal actually yelled back that he's force sensitive. And JJ's answer was, see, I told you they were the best fans in the galaxy. So, oh, yes, he is force sensitive. Right. That was the, the actual story. So because Finn can feel the force, I act my my new theory and I'm sticking to it. The title of The Force Awakens in Episode seven is not referring to Ray. It's referring to to Finn. Because Ray had the ability to feel the force before that. I mean, e- even um, even Maz Kanata, you know, says it in the film. She's like, it's always been there, right? Like, you know, it's always been there. You've always right. been able to feel it beside you. You just haven't known what it was until now. And you could say that that could be an interpretation of it. But I, I always felt that the Force Awakens was referring to at least in part to Finn because he does make that decision out of nowhere. How, well, how else yep. would you be able to justify it in, in the sense that he was a, he was taken as a very young child, right? Probably an infant and raised in this society of the first order you and trained orders at that point. Right, right. He was trained to, to kill. He was trained to be a combatant. And in his very first armed combat, against enemies he decides i'm not gonna do this i'm actually not down for this and when he makes that decision when he is in the battle and and you know someone is shot you know i think i forget exactly what moment it is but the camera pans to finn 
and there's that boom, 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 boom. You know, like the the bass is rumbling, and then the cam, you know, the 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 focus of the camera is directly on him. Everything else is kind of in the you know blurry background. To me, right. that was the moment of the Force Awakening in him of, well, of I think something we'd be telling lying him lying to each other. If we said that Star Wars didn't always tell us that the story was about one thing, and it turns out it's about another thing altogether. Right. For instance, I will never. To my grave, I will never accept this being called the Skywalker saga. Really? This is the fucking Palpatine saga oh. if I've ever seen it. No, no. It's the Skywalker saga. The Tell Skywalkers are the heroes. Not about Palpatine. Plus, the Palpatine bloodline is the one that ultimately gets redeemed through the entire nine-movie nine arc. Yeah, I guess, but so does the Skywalker bloodline. And where are they at the end of this? Well, they're all dead. They okay. dead. So who's left alive? Ray. Who is a? Palpatine, technically. But not really, because she calls okay. herself a Skywalker. No, no. I can call so myself then, a fucking griffin lobster. Doesn't mean I am. But let, she believes that, that she is. Second. Because she calls herself Ray Skywalker at the end. What if she had picked any other name? Like Maz Kanata had so much more influence on her than Luke did. What uh, if she the fact that if she had said my name is Ray Palpatine, that's like showing up somewhere in I don't know Israel, and they're like, "Hey, what's your name?" And my response is Matt Hitler. Yeah, right. 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 That's not going well for me. Regardless, well, I, where I know I am. that. I know that. But it, I think that it speaks more to the idea that I mean, ultimately, family is what you choose to define it as, right? I mean, my, no, I, 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 I have a relationship with both of my parents, right? So I, I can't, I can't say that I've been in these shoes, but I have, I have a cousin, um, who is not blood related to us, right? He, he was, he's technically the son of like a relative of my aunts, but he was, you know, he came, he had a terrible, terrible upbringing with her at a very young age. He was, you know, taken away from her and my uncle and aunt took custody of him and he has always referred to them as his mother and father and the children that they, you know, actual that, that, that they raised, you know, biologically are his, his brothers. Like that's just how it is. So fa and family is, can really be what you define it as. And but I Ray think that didn't her have a bad experience with her parents, she didn't have that experience with her parents, but she didn't really know who they were. I mean, they well, didn't raise her. But but we've already established in, in Star Wars canon that if you don't have anyone else in your family to claim, your last name is Solo. <laughs> so yeah. she should have been Ray Solo. Oh, man. And then that well, really would have come back around and confirmed the fan the theories. I speak about this being the Palpatine saga is that it starts out genuinely with one of his machinations and ends with the end of his machination by the sure, way there that, are very characters through it for the record i know you guys are big palpatine guys i i just want to put this out there it is not fact that palpatine helped to create vader the lucasfilm story group has recently gone out of their way to say as much uh, in, inter in an interview that they recently gave. I, I'm sorry, I can't cite it right now off the top of my head, but I, I know that it, I, I, in the comment... 100% disagree with that. I know you do. I know you no, do. No, no, no. It's I'm, the I'm, canon, right? I'm, I may not be just disagreeing. I am saying 100% what you just said is completely wrong. Okay, and why is that? Because the Emperor absolutely created Vader. 
he may not have created Anakin Skywalker. Oh, I, we saw I see what you mean. Put together I see what you mean. Right. So the, the Emperor what helped. Just said is wrong. Well, no, that's not true. Because what I, I thought that you were referring to the fact, because Ben had alluded to it earlier. He had said that, and and he had mentioned it in the previous conversation we had about this film as well, that it, he thought that it had been confirmed that Palpatine had you know, had hands or a hand in the if biological they, creation of Anakin they Skywalker. they are saying that he, he didn't have anything to do with the biological creation of Anakin, then they're retconning what they already said in a canon comic. The canon comic, what they what they have what they said about that because they knew that people were going to be like, "Oh man, Palpatine is Vader's dad confirmed," you know. They were saying that that vision which is the it, it as far as I can tell, this is the way that it was presented in the comic book. It was a vision that Vader himself was having and it was more preying on the fears that Vader had had in his own mind. It wasn't exactly a confirmation of fact. Okay, so it was just a poorly explained comic book panel. Right. It, it was it was a panel of a comic book that was showing something cool that wasn't actually happening in the world. It was not the force telling Vader that his, his you know, Palpatine helped create him. It was the force preying on Vader's fear that Palpatine may have been responsible for creating him because i imagine that vader you know that anakin would have some questions about well then how the fuck did i come to exist if i didn't have a natural father well space aids decided you needed to exist right so okay in the old canon it was plagueis and it wasn't even really plagueis i mean that was never that was never ever confirmed yeah okay it was always maybe hinted at as a possibility, but I don't remember ever hearing that Darth Plagueis was for sure responsible for the birth of Anakin Skywalker. According to, and and I just, because, you know, we have the internet, so I'm just looking while you're talking. Um, in the old canon, it was apparently stated that Anakin was born as the indirect result of Plagueis' experiments with midichlorians in his attempt to create a life form entirely from the force. Okay. Not that he intentionally did it, but that it was indirect. And then I'm looking at the comic page, but I can only see the one page. So I don't know how it leads up to it. Um, and this has been the next episode of Half Thoughts by Ben Schultz. <laughs> it always is. Um, and it does look like a vision of Plagueis standing behind Shmi. Um, but is that, is that saying that play or that, uh, city or pardon me, a vision of Sidious standing behind Shmi when she's pregnant with Anakin, right? I know the image you're talking about. Yeah. So if that's a vision, okay. But what does that tell us? Nothing. Right. It, it tells us as much as Ray's vision of herself with a double bladed lightsaber. Like it's a possibility, but it's not fact so then who is the chosen one and that's a really interesting question because we know the chosen one has a penis <laughs> and we know the chosen one does not have a father i i think anakin still has to be the chosen one of prophecy now again does he actually fulfill that prophecy in my opinion he doesn't because we as we talked about back last year i think he missed his opportunity to actually 
fulfill that prophecy and, and be the arbiter between the light and the dark. It's, um, it's all a matter of what you read the prophecy as. If right. you read it as, he will bring balance to the force. Right? That's not something that's really achievable in the real... In When I say the real world, I mean the Star Wars like outer galaxy. Because Mortis is not a real place. Mortis is like a different plane of existence that these force gods lived on. That's why I'm saying that's the only way that Anakin could have truly fulfilled that prophecy, because if you're talking in the real Star Wars galaxy, there are new Force users potentially born every day. And those Force I, users could become anything. But, but they're not Jedi. Well, I've already stated my piece on that. There's right, two they're, Jedi and two Sith at the end. Right, but they Balance. could become primarily dark side Force users. They could become primarily light side Force users. Doesn't necessarily have to mean Jedi and Sith. Which is why it's impossible to quantify, right? But we all last time we talked, we also said that the untrained force user is a a non quotient to this equation, right? It, it's a it's a zero sum. Uh, that was what you guys had agreed on. <laughs> I well, I'm, I'm, I never I'm subscribed to us. that theory. I never subscribed to that theory because the, those those people could become anything. They could become, like I said, dark side primarily, dark side primarily, lead side. There is no way to tell. Well, they'd be primarily neither, wouldn't they? No, they because if you're untrained in the force, that doesn't mean you can't use it. I mean, it doesn't mean that it can't use you, which is another conversation. So wait, that wait, I, wait, wait, wait. So the Force has a consciousness then? I don't know if the it's Force... It's not just a thing? Well, because the if you're saying the Force uses somebody, then you're giving the Force agency. I then don't... the Force is actively making choices. I think that it is possible that the Force could have a version of agency, and I'm actually working on a new theory that I'll present to you guys at a later date. But it... <laughs> uh, it has to do with the force having a consciousness. And, you know, we've always been talking about the force just is. I think the force is, you know, the force. It is. It just is. But depends on what your definition of the word is. is. Right. Maybe not in the way that you're <laughs> thinking. And I know that that's the very gets away with saying it. So can I very shadowy. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll have to leave it at that for now. I, guys, we are almost out of time. Um, and it, and it, it blew right by <laughs> because that's In what short, happens. The first question you asked me is how I felt about the movie. I had a great time watching the movie. I don't have any problems with how the stories were sewn up. I don't have any problems with the liberties that were taken with force powers. I genuinely, other than the logistics of where did all these people come from, which can be answered by saying, well, they're in the unknown regions. Who knows what the hell is out there? Other than that, I had a great time watching the movie. I'm going to watch it a bunch more times, and I'm such a shill. I'm going to buy the entire collection when it comes out on Blu-ray, even though I own all of them. And then you're going to buy them again on 4K. Oh, Matt, we're kind of losing you here a little bit. You're not missing. There we go. Now we got that part. Okay. Um, <laughs> Matt, we we really do appreciate you stopping by. Thank you for talking a little bit more about this film with us. Uh, ben, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this film, obviously, even more going forward. I would like to switch our focus the next time we record uh, to The Mandalorian. Uh, okay. That is a, uh, oh. a a topic we really have not touched much on, and I think that it, it deserves uh, an episode now that the entire season has been released and it's available for people to consume on Disney Plus at their leisure. 
Uh, I think that it would be the perfect time to discuss a bit about that series and how it informs the larger Star Wars legend. How about you? That sounds like a plan to me. Okay, well, we'll tackle Have that. Have watched the Ewok adventure? Yes. Yes. In fact, you yeah, can listen I to, to be part of like a, a live stream of watching the Ewok adventure. <laughs> we, we could do that again, though. I would be up for that. Creepy we, Ewoks are my thing. We got to make that happen because that episode is almost kind of a lost treasure. It was it was in the uh, the in between time. It was the last episode that we released um, before we officially joined the Galactic Network. Uh, okay. And when we did, uh, it it didn't find its way onto the official RSS feed really it wasn't a properly titled episode so it didn't get as much attention as some of the other ones that we've released but I if you would like watch the movie since it was age appropriate for me <laughs> so oh, back, really because back as an adult, i am telling you it's a much different movie no i have not watched it since i was probably eight or nine years old uh wilford brimley was obviously in it i'm not sure if he was struggling with diabetes yet or not <laughs> but i do remember those crazy looking wrinkly adult man size things that scared me as a child did oh, you see we gotta get joey back for that one too did you see Probably. both because they're his movies right no i i own them now oh okay yeah of course you do do you uh do you have you seen both of the ewok movies or just the one just the one okay then you gotta watch the other one too because it's brilliant Oh, yeah, this is going to be a treasure. We definitely have to make that happen. Well, I'm not going to watch it until we watch it together then. Right. 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 I want to go into it blind. So oh, yeah. we will do that at some point here once the uh, once the weather stops trying to kill us. I think that would yep. probably be the best way of thinking. We live in Wisconsin, everybody, and uh, it's January, which means we're not going to be out of the winter until probably about April. And then even then, we're going to probably get a little sprinkle. Now, keep in mind, we were complaining about it being too cold while an entire continent is on fire so yeah everything in perspective <laughs> yeah absolutely. And it's actually not bad outside i'm still wearing shorts yeah absolutely I, I i realize i'm not i'm not trying to compare our terrible you know <laughs> everyone has a terrible experience going on on earth i imagine at some point but uh in the meantime i wanted to quickly run this by everybody um we are in the process of creating a new logo for the show uh, I have reached out to an artist that I am uh, that I am friends with. I've I've given her my uh, concept for what this logo is going to be, uh, and hopefully it's going to turn out great. And then we can um, we can update the logo to something a little more um, original, a little more uh, our own. You know, put our own stamp on it. But the other thing. Uh, that I wanted to bring up is that we are exploring the possibility of putting content on a YouTube channel. Um, and this would be, you know, full episodes of the show, but also maybe just little digestible snippets of specific conversation topics, uh, you know, shorter bursts so that if you don't have the time or if you'd rather not listen to an entire episode of the show but you you still want to hear you know about something specific uh you can find that really easily uh and it's accessible on a, on a pretty wide platform so i'm i'm looking at that right now and uh hopefully that's something that we will get off the ground here uh shortly in the first couple months of 2020 it's a brand new year guys this is the first episode of the show that's being posted in the new year Ooh. Fantastic. I so, haven't even screwed up writing the date yet. <laughs> so we ride oh. into the future 
and we ride into the future of Star Wars as well as the uh, the Skywalker slash Palpatine slash whatever you want to call it saga uh, has been completed for now. So uh, how long does that mean you and I have been fighting about Star Wars, Zach? Well, th- this would be the th- the fourth calendar year of the show. Um, right, but that's how long we've been fighting about Star Wars on Mike. How long have we been fighting about Star Wars oh, collectively? I don't know. I, I think we met back in 2000, 2010, but we didn't talk much at that meeting. I, I met you at, uh, it was the Chatham Games Grand Opening. And you oh, you yeah. ran a game. I didn't even know you were such a big Star Wars fan at that time. So it was uh, shortly. It was in 2011 that we actually started, you know, conversing Fighting about, about Star Wars. Wasabi-Con? Uh, or or something. I, I don't know. The WasabiCon was really the the beginning. So yeah, let's say summer <laughs> of 2011. I was um, just curious. Yeah. So that's almost nine years ago. My God. I want to. I would like to say as a as a much more regular listener than guest. I can't tell you how many times I've been in my car screaming at my stereo when either of you two are coming up blind or coming up uh, missing a topic and you can't think of the answer. I'm the idiot screaming in my car, whatever the answer may be. Well, okay. email us, goddammit. <laughs> I'll just call you. Yeah, you can <laughs> call. <laughs> or, you know, Matt, I mean, you really do add a lot to the show, so I, I'd like to have you on more often. Um, as often as we can get you, I, I think that that would be uh, a treat, and hopefully we'll be able to organize that uh, Ewok party <laughs> very soon. God, I can't wait. In oh, the meantime, be amazing. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this, awesome. And if you didn't, um, why did you stick around to this point of the podcast? <laughs> it was free. <laughs> it was free. Matt, may the force be with you. And may the dark side embrace you both. And Ben, may the force be with you. And also with you, Zach. This has been a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCast.com.